Hey, welcome back to everybody out in listener land. This is Noggin Notes, and I am Jake Wiskirchen, your host. This, I believe, is episode number 50, and we're really proud of that, but not as proud as we will be when we reach 100, because I think that's just a bigger milestone. In today's episode, I spent some time discussing concepts of self-care and burnout and something called compassion fatigue that originated in nursing but is, uh, has pervaded our field. And I think, I think we can all kind of um, identify with that on some level where we, where we just get worn out. And I try to blow up a couple of myths uh, from my perspective, and I try to help you know give some advice on how to deal with this kind of stuff as you move forward in your life. Because what good would a podcast be if we didn't offer solutions to some of the struggles that we face? Once again, we're sponsored by Zephyr Wellness. It's a company I co-own, and I'm very proud to announce that as you're listening to this on July 9, hopefully, because that's when it gets released, because uh, we usually release these on a Monday, that will be the opening day of our Sparks office in Sparks, Nevada. So Zephyr is growing, we're expanding, we're very excited about that. We're uh, excited to be announcing that we'll be taking a couple of new insurances very shortly, uh, Health Plan of Nevada and TRICARE, and that's, that's pretty cool because we're going to be able to serve that many more people. We are also very, very proud to announce a new partnership with Safe Embrace. It's a domestic violence shelter, even though they don't like using the term shelter because that sounds dingy and grungy. Um, it's a very nice house is what it is, and they, uh, they take lots of people in who are struggling with domestic violence in their, in their home lives and uh, put them up for as many as 90 days at a time. Uh, initially, it's 30 days, but uh, they, they go out to 90 days. They accept pets. They're, they're the only pet-friendly shelter in the area and one of the, the very few even in the region. And we are going to be providing their clinical services for them. So the counseling that the, uh, the, the people who are living in the shelter are receiving are, is going to be provided by Zephyr Wellness, and we're very, very proud of that. Stephen Barsha, who you've heard on this show a couple of times, is going to be doing the, the clinical overseeing of that program, and uh, he's, he's domestic violence certified um, in the state of Nevada. He's very, very talented, and we're just very, very excited to be offering that service to Safe Embrace. So if you look him up, if you want to donate, they're completely uh, funded by, by donations and grants. It's safeembrace.org, so that would be two E's back-to-back on there, safeembrace.org. And um, please, please lend a hand if you can. They're a wonderful organization. We've been supporting them for, for about three years now, but officially we're in partnership to provide their clinical services. So um, thanks for listening. I uh, hope you enjoy the show. This is episode number 50, and we're going to be talking about all sorts of uh, burnout and, and uh, self-care and how to, how to keep care of oneself. If you want to find out more, go to ZephyrWellness.org. Shoot us an email if you have questions at info at ZephyrWellness.org or info at NogginNotes.com, and we'll try to read the questions and answers on the next podcast. Thanks a bunch, and enjoy the show. There sure is a lot written about burnout these days, but really, what is it? Uh, about a year ago, I had a conversation with a colleague who had just returned from a very long vacation, I think he took about uh, 10 days, and he told me that he didn't realize how bad it was until about day four when he had been completely unplugged from all media, uh, stimulus, whatnot. They, he and his wife went to a retreat where they couldn't get cell reception and there were no electronics around, and they, and they themselves had voluntarily given up those things. But he realized that about uh, about three or four days in, um, just how burnt he really was. And to use his word, he said, crispy. 
said we were a little crispier than we thought we were. And uh, the, 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 the seven days following that were really where he and his wife got to, you know, dig in and, and relax and, and reset themselves. So that was a, a note to me that I think is worth sharing with you, the audience, and that when we, uh, when we take breaks from our daily lives after, you know, a long period of, of just going at it for, for quite some time, the break needs to be a little bit longer than a couple of days. We have some research in our field, for example, that suggests that in order to turn around from, you know, the, the stuff that we hear on a, on a regular basis, it takes about two and a half days, which really breaks down to needing to work a four day work week in order to recover fully in the following three days. So there's just something about certain industries that are a little bit more taxing. I know that, you know, air traffic controllers have a high stress job, police and fire, obviously any first responder, you know, paramedics, uh, we could say the same about you know e- emergency room doctors, nurses, uh, anybody who's you know having to to basically live in the in the yellow zone of of alertness. I mean, there's people who live in the green, I suppose, and then uh, then there's people who live in the red all the time, and those would be combat soldiers and and people of those ilk. And for those of us in in psychotherapy, we're probably in the yellow, just not because of necessarily the emergent nature of of the work, but because of the high uh, acuity that's presented to us. It's it's hard to listen to people's stories of, of abuse and neglect and violence and, and trauma, you know, day in and day out. And, and that takes a toll unless you're very, very well trained. I'd like to think that I am. And a lot of my colleagues are. Uh, but there are some of us who are who d- just just can't take it and uh, and they burn out and they leave the career and they and they go choose other things. So I wanted to have a conversation today about the idea of burnout and what it looks like and, and how you might know that you're approaching a, a point where you need an extended vacation away from, you know, emails and phone calls. And, and especially if you're in a leadership position, you really need to to distance yourself from the, the demands of, of leadership and what's required of you from from your followers. So I wanted to talk about two two concepts in addition to the burnout. One is called self-care and the other is called compassion fatigue. Now, both of these words in, in my field are, I would submit, overused. I think that they've become very popularized, and I think they're they're almost punchlines anymore, uh, something that somebody likes to throw out in order to justify taking a break, uh, because there's a lot of research that supports uh, the need for self-care, and self-care can take on any form that you deem worthy of, you know, caring for yourself. So it could be anything from going to the gym and, you know, working out and exercise. And that's, that's the obvious ones down to spending time with your family. That's self-care. Um, some people actually conceptualize self-care as working more. Uh, if they sit around and have nothing to do, they, they wither away. And we've got some research that suggests that people who've worked long careers, say in the public employees system, uh, they, they actually, when they stop working, if they don't continue doing something that's fulfilling and brings them satisfaction, they actually die before they can recoup their retirement benefits that they paid in. So it's a very morbid kind of macabre sense that, uh, that, that, that the people running the public employees retirement systems across America do this uh, calculation where they basically are betting that you're going to expire your life before you can recuperate what you've paid into it and that'll help keep the system afloat and amazingly so far they're right most people die before they can recuperate 
what they've paid into their own retirements. And it's very, very sad. And I think it speaks to the idea that we need to be able to separate ourselves and who we are as human beings from the work that we do. And I'll talk about that in another podcast uh, when we explore being versus doing. But for now, I just want to discuss the concept of compassion fatigue and burnout and how it relates to self-care. So um, I alluded to compassion fatigue. Let's let's go ahead and define that. It's actually a term that comes from nursing initially. Now, nurses aren't generally trained the way that counselors are to be able to leave work at work. When they hear stories of trauma, uh, they, they tend to be trained through a medical model, which says, go in and fix something and then um, watch the person heal, and then they exit the, the, the building or the hospital or whatever, and, and then everything's fine. But oftentimes, that's not the case. And there are the, the nurses, because they're, they're next to the bed, unlike uh, doctors who typically uh, float through, do what they do, and then go on to the next patient, um, nurses tend to spend more time talking to patients, and the patients will relate stories of childhood trauma or spousal, um, you know, relationships or problems with the kids or problems at work. And so the nurses ended up uh, becoming pushed into this position where they're no longer just medical assisting uh, people in, in their role, but they ended up almost becoming a sounding board for their patients. And what, what they found over many years was that nurses were getting burned out because they were, they were being, quote unquote, tired of being compassionate, you know, hearing these other people's problems. Now, the word compassion broke down uh, into calm and patio. It, it literally means to suffer with. So if you're suffering with somebody, you're being compassionate to that person. And I, I, I guess the theory goes that there's only so much suffering with that you can do before your own psyche gets exhausted and needs rejuvenating. Now, we've taken this on in our profession as counselors to say, you know, I'm suffering compassion fatigue. Now, I think that the, that the structure of those words themselves, compassion fatigue, is a little bit disingenuous. I, I, don't, I don't know how you could ever get tired of being compassionate for somebody else. It, that, that just seems bizarre to me. Uh, it seems like the people who are struggling with compassion fatigue probably are extending themselves too much and perhaps carrying other people's stresses and concerns and worries rather than being a sounding board, hearing it, and letting it flow in and then flow out. I think a lot of times what we end up doing is we we capture this stuff and almost embrace it as though it's our own or as though we, we have a responsibility to help fix it for someone else, and that's not at all the case. That may be the case in, in a traditional medical model where the, the nurse or the doctor is approached by a patient saying, here, fix me, please, and then some sort of medicine or routine or, or prescription will be given and there's a very uh, top-down authoritarian almost uh, approach in, in medical model um, uh, treatment where the patient goes in, asks for the treatment, the treatment is given, and then they're healed. It's not the same in talk therapy or counseling where what we try to do is help illuminate the path and guide people toward their own resolutions for the sole purpose that if somebody were coming to me to solve their, say, marital problems, I would not be doing them any favors because I would be the person solving the problem for them, and, and that's disempowering. I don't want to create a dependence upon somebody, you know, for, uh, sorry, upon myself for somebody else uh, simply because I, although it makes me probably feel pretty good about myself and it guarantees a continued income, I want these people to fix themselves. I want them to pick themselves up and learn how to implement the same strategies and skills that I learned through graduate school and extensive trainings and seminars 
to be able to apply it in their own lives so that they no longer are, you know, having to come to me on a regular basis and, and receive talk therapy. I, I say regularly that this is not an advice-giving profession because if I give advice to you and it works, then what I've done is I've solved your problem, not you. And that's not very empowering. That doesn't help you down the road. It's the, uh, you know, the teaching to fish versus giving a fish metaphor. Um, I'd rather teach to fish and I'd rather work myself out of a job. So I think where compassion fatigue comes in and where people are really afflicted with it is simply because we as counselors or, or the nurses uh, from whom this generated initially years ago, I think that we're taking on the burden of having to solve people's problems. And, and that's totally inappropriate. Of course, I'm going to burn out if I think that I'm, I'm responsible for solving someone else's problems. Of course, that's going to happen. Of course, it's going to uh, affect me in a negative way. And then, of course, I'm going to have to turn to, you know, quote unquote, self-care uh, all the time or more frequently, uh, almost to the point that, you know, if I'm, if I'm looking at my self-care as a necessity to tolerate the ugly work that I'm doing, I'm probably not going to want to do that work anymore. Uh, in fact, if I'm having to schedule in self-care for, for recovery time, I might actually end up viewing that internally in my own mind as an, yet another obligation. So I don't want to have to put gym time. I mean, yes, I understand we all have schedules and, and you know, scheduling is necessary and it's, it's good, responsible governance of, of your own life. But I don't want to have to look at my gym time in the morning and say, oh, from 9 to 1030, I have to go to the gym when I have all these other things to do. Now, all of a sudden, it's an obligation. It's a task. It's not enjoyable anymore. That's no longer self-care at that point. If I have to carve time out to, to go purposely take care of myself, something's wrong. I'm not letting the energy flow through me. I'm not, I'm not simply being a conduit for, you know, uh, helping people. I I've taken that on as too near and dear to me. And what we can call that is one of the five errors of communication called the error of omnipotence, thinking that you are all powerful and thinking that you are responsible for somebody else's outcome. That is, first of all, it's not true. Uh, I'm not responsible for anybody's outcome. They themselves are responsible. So even if I tell you, you know, hey, I think you should go get a job, ultimately it's up to the person to go apply, interview, receive the job, and continue working. I didn't do anything. All I did was plant a seed. So if I can flip that around in my head and realize that, you know, I'm not responsible for the, for a person's outcome, then I'm less likely to suffer the compassion fatigue, which then in turn results in me needing to go do more self-care. So I, what I would advise is if you find yourself in this position where you're constantly looking around going, oh my gosh, you know, I'm, I'm burned out. Uh, all these people, you know, asking things of me. Uh, I've got all these tasks. My inbox is always full. I, I need some self-care. Well, all you're doing is supplanting the tasks that you're that are you're required to do with self-care. And now you have, have a calendar fight. You know, what's going to take precedence? That's up to you to decide. But if you're begrudging your own self-care because you, you just, every time you're out with the, the boys or you're out with the girls or you're taking a, a long cold, you know, cold or hot shower, I guess. I almost said cold shower, but uh, cold or hot shower, whatever it is that relaxes you, listening to music, creating podcasts, Anything that's supposed to be relaxing, if, if it's now looked upon as some sort of yet another obligation and you're begrudgingly doing it, that's not self-care. And it's probably only compounding the problem. I would invite you to take a look at the tasks that you are doing and see where you can put in some boundaries and some limitations. If you're checking your email at 8 p.m. when the workday ended at 530 
that's bad boundary making. And you're going to burn out that way because we're not meant to work 24 hours a day. I don't care what your boss says and I don't care what paycheck or commission is writing on it. It's, it's really not worth it if you're not enjoying spending the money that comes with it or you're not enjoying uh, the spoils that come with hard work. If you can't sit back and relax and go, yeah, I'm really proud of what I've done because rolling around in your head is the next thing to do then what are you what are you working for so i would invite everybody if if you're listening to this and you're going man yeah jake you're really speaking to me right now um what can i do about it well take a look at your own life see where you can and cannot make adjustments and and i would really heavily consider the can because i think you can always make adjustments it's just a matter yet again of sacrifice what are you willing to swap out and really prioritize. One of the exercise that I've, exercises, I should say, that I have done with many clients is I've had them sit down with a whiteboard or just a piece of paper and write down everything that's going through their mind. And I mentioned this in the anxiety podcast in, in the form of, um, I guess, or in the, in the concept of prioritizing to de-anxietize. Similarly, the anxiety can turn into stress and stress can turn into bitterness and anger and resentment. So I recommend the same exercise. Write down what's rolling around in your head. If it's emails, if it's obligations to people, if it's a grant that you have to write, if it's research that has to be done, a book that has to be written, uh, family, uh, kids that need to be attended to, swimming lessons, baseball games, everything. Literally dump it all on a paper. And of course, yes, you're going to have to carve out time to do this. And if that in and of itself is a struggle in your head, it's time to make an adjustment. It's just, it's just straight up time to make an adjustment, if not many adjustments. If you can't even carve out the time to do this very exercise because rolling around in your head is, oh my gosh, I have to do this other stuff. I can't possibly go do the exercise Jake is suggesting. That's a, that's a huge red flag. It's a huge warning sign. If you can't make it to the gym, can't make it to your massage appointment, you're, you're skipping out on beers with the guys uh, because you have all these other obligations, you got to prioritize and pick your obligations. And prioritization will flow from one day to the next, one week to the next, uh, as to what is or is not a priority. So write everything down and acknowledge in that moment that you can only have one number one priority. Uh, what's it going to be? And if you continue seeing the same number one priority rise to the top over and over and over, say it's work, and family is falling to fourth or fifth, you might have to rethink that at least for a couple of days out of the week. So even if it's the weekend, you say, nope, Saturdays, I am not touching my email. Sundays, I am not touching my email. Great. Good for you. You've just set a boundary. Now it's up to you to adhere to it. And trust me, people in this world will acknowledge that and they will recognize it and they will respect it because more often than not, what we end up doing is we look at people with great boundaries and we say, oh man, I wish I could be like that. And that feeds into the projection discussion that we had just last week. Uh, you do have the potential to be like that, quote unquote. You do have the potential to set boundaries like anybody else does. Uh, one of the great references that I always point to in my work, my line of work, is uh, social workers who work for the county or the state government. Typically, you cannot reach them after 5 o'clock. And I just appreciate the heck out of that. They walk away and they don't have work email on their phones at home at dinner time. And I understand some exceptions are made for people who are on call and that sort of thing. But typically, they've, they, they're paid for that and they know that when they sign up for it. They're not just, you know, over time, their boundaries have eroded and they've been pushed into a position that they wake up one day and go, how in the heck did I get here? I didn't sign on for this years ago. 
So I encourage boundary making, I encourage prioritization, and I really encourage getting away from the idea that compassion fatigue is a thing. Like I, I just don't, I don't see myself ever getting tired, quote unquote, of being compassionate, of suffering with people. I think that's, it's noble, it's an honor. I think that when people come to me with their suffering, it's, it's absolutely a, a great glory that I'm, I'm able to walk through those folks' lives with their suffering, knowing that it's not mine to carry. I can still be healthy on the other end of those conversations, and I can have them over and over and over again because they're not mine. It's not draining. It's not fatiguing. Uh, I'll continue having those because it's an honor to have been placed in their lives to walk that path with them and hopefully give them a little bit of light along the way. So uh, get away from using the, the words that um, you know set us up for failure. And if you need self-care, please just integrate it as part of your daily life. Don't look at it as uh, some boxed up thing that is yet another task or obligation to be performed and, and you grit your teeth to get through it. That's, that's not what good self-care is about. And then if you can do all that stuff, you'll find yourself burning out less. You'll find yourself needing fewer vacations. You, you don't you have to you know grind your teeth to put the vacation on the calendar because you're reminded of all the stuff you're having to walk away from at work or what's awaiting you, you know, when you come back. And uh, similarly, on a, on a micro scale, week to week, Fridays won't seem like such a celebration and Mondays won't seem like such a doom and gloom, uh, you know, day on the calendar. If we're just doing what we do and, and we're flowing and we're taking care of ourselves and we're prioritizing from one moment to the next and we're being in the moment, then we don't have to have the big buildup and the big letdown and, and the, uh, the swings won't seem quite so great. If this helps you, great. Uh, I'd love to hear about it. E- email us at info at nogginnotes.com. Or uh, you can reach me at info at zephyrwellness.org. I'd love to hear your feedback. If you tell me I'm all wet and you know full of prunes, that's fine too. Opinions vary, and I respect that. Um, but I do truly want to hear uh, what you have to say, and I'll, I'll integrate it into another podcast uh, you know, in a listener mail because I love conflicting viewpoints, and I like to integrate them all, and I do believe that there's room for all stripes. That's, that's called the dialectic. That's the both and. It's not either or. It's not you know Jake's way or the highway. Um, I just, I just thought that maybe this was, uh, a different viewpoint that people, uh, hadn't considered yet. So take it for what it's worth. And if you, if you like it and it works for you, great. Uh, just don't give me credit for it. Cause I don't want to make the error of omnipotence thinking that I am somehow responsible for your outcome. That all being said on behalf of the Noggin Notes team and the Zephyr Wellness family, we wish you great mental wellness. We'll see you back next week. Bye-bye.